Imagine waking up and feeling ready to face the day with a smile, having more energy for your work, family and social life, fitting into your jeans and feeling good about your body, knowing what to eat and enjoying your food without guilt or confusion, dealing with the stress of daily life in a way that doesn't fry your chips and best of all, feeling relaxed, optimistic and in control of your health. It's all possible. I will show you how. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life with Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS, tell it like it is wellness show brought to you by qualified naturopath and functional medicine practitioner, Jules Galloway. That's me. Today's guest has been on my podcast before. And she's back. You may remember her from episode 21 of Shiny Healthy You when we spoke about Ayurveda, eating for your dosha or body type, and detoxification. I've got her back in because there's so much more to this woman. So one episode was never going to be enough. I personally think she needs to make her own podcast. So let's put some pressure on her, huh? because you don't have enough things to do. (laughs) Now, since our last chat, she's been super busy in the kitchen creating an exciting recipe book. And well, it's not just a recipe book, but it's called Eat Like You Love Yourself. Please welcome to the show, yoga teacher, yoga therapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, recipe developer, all-round great cook, I can say with personal experience, and a very good friend of mine, the beautiful Shara Carruthers. Hello. <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is where the applause track goes in, right? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, your introductions are amazing. I'm like, I wonder who she's talking about. Oh, it's me. I know, it sounds like this amazing human. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Really> interesting. <laughs> All right, my love, tell me, yep. what have you been up to since we spoke last? Oh man, um, well, I spent over a year writing a book. I spent over a year writing the book I wanted to read. And it was an amazing experience. It was the very first book I've ever written. And it took about a year longer than I thought it would take. (laughs) No, I think I thought at the outset, I was thinking, oh, I'll have this baby whipped out in, you know, I don't know, a few months. And it was just this incredible learning process and journey. And you know, even just getting to the point of actually writing the book was something of a journey as well. And it was something of kind of a rediscovery of myself because I had never had any plans to write a book. And the idea, the idea kept coming to me and I kept pushing it away as we do when things don't seem to be falling into line with the plans that we've set for ourselves. And, um, and so finally it just wouldn't go away. And I thought, right, let me dive into this. And in the process of sort of accepting it and, um, you know, beginning, beginning writing it and all the rest of it, I remembered how much I love food and always have. So it was a really, and everybody I spoke to, my family, people who've known me forever were like, yeah, of course, you know, that makes sense. So, um, so yeah, that's, ba- that's basically what I've been doing, doing a lot of talking to people, but really just a lot of cooking, writing, taking photographs and dealing with the ins and outs of getting out a book. I think that sometimes as entrepreneurial types and people who have, who have online businesses, we get stuck in our offices so much and not enough in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> 
So I was kind of jealous. I was so jealous. (laughs) Like, oh, she's making all this amazing food. (laughs) Oh, it was great too. It was such a terrific experience, really. Just, I mean, well, you know what it's like doing recipe development and trying things and kind of giving yourself permission to screw stuff up and, you know, and then coming out with something that you're like, oh my God, this tastes amazing. Yeah, but you can't eat it until I take pretty pictures. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, it was, yeah, we do often. It It was quite a departure from my usual, you know, sitting in front of the computer. Um, and it just reminded me of how much, or how, how little I do, how little time I spend doing things like that, which, uh, you know, it's transformative for me in in a way that means I'll be doing a lot more of that in the future. Um, it's good to know. Good to hear. Definitely. I think we're supposed to be doing these things that, you know, that really feed our souls. Yeah. Yeah. So how how did you go like getting back in touch with the food like that and moving away from the laptop? Did you notice any changes within yourself? Did you become happier or, you know, what happened? Oh, well, um, I think, I mean, you know, when you're writing a book, um, well, if, you, if you're not, if you're writing a cookbook, which I think is, you know, is obviously quite different from, um, you know, a novel or even some sort of a memoir or something like that. Um, you do have to kind of split your time between the laptop and and the kitchen and the photography studio and you know and all that sort of stuff. And so for me, the way that the process worked was that I fir- first I wrote everything. I wrote because half the book is a reference book for Ayurveda and talking about you know how to live Ayurveda and and um, sharing some of the principles, some of my own beliefs about food and um, and how to eat like you love yourself. And so I had to uh, sit down and do all that. And the interesting thing was a lot of that really inspired uh, the process of getting into the kitchen. So I had this fantastic foundation of thinking and of having my own um, beliefs and experiences about food kind of at the front of my mind when I sat down to put together recipes and when I started trying things and putting things together. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of the way it went, you know, and and all the time in the kitchen was happy. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of the time in front of the laptop, even though it can be a little bit, um, you know, there's moments when you're like, I don't know what to do next. Like, I don't, I'm not quite sure where to go with this. Um, a lot of it was really enjoyable. The front, the first parts of the book, I think like the first, maybe, I don't know, the introduction or something was just talking a little bit about my, you know, my past and my experiences with food from childhood. And that was kind of nice. You know, it almost felt a bit like a little memoir then. Um, and it reminded me of some good times and some not so great, not so great times. <laughs> um, but it was still, it, all of it's still quite inspiring, actually. Yeah. So for those of us who uh, haven't come across Ayurveda before, maybe they didn't hear your first interview. Do you want to just give us a quick refresher on what it means to eat the Ayurvedic way or to live Ayurveda? Yeah, sure. So um, in a nutshell, Ayurveda is this 5,000-year-old system of health and healing, and it concerns itself with the practical sides of creating a healthy mind, body, and soul. So Ayurveda recognizes that we're more than just a body and a mind. There's something else. There's something that defines us as individuals that plays a really important part in our health and wellness. And so a lot of the wisdom wisdom, um, associated with Ayurveda is really about helping us to to embrace 
our wholeness, embrace our true nature, find our own natural rhythm. And obviously food plays a really important part in that. Uh, and Ayurveda sees food as well as just about everything around us as a potential medicine or poison. And so the process of eating Ayurvedic is really about understanding for yourself which, what, which foods are your medicine. And that's really, you know, some of it, some of it is really about trial and error. And the fact that we change so much from season to season means that we really do have to stay tuned in to who we are in the moment as we make our choices for food, you know, what we need in the moment. How am I feeling today? How full am I? How, how hungry am I? How, um, how well am I? How sick am I? How, you know, clear am I in my mind? Um, you know, how foggy am I? We can make choices for food to, in any moment, to bring ourselves back to health or back to wellness or balance. Um, but too often, we just, we make our choices for food, you know, based on many, many other things like our, our past, what we believe is healthy for us, what our health gurus are telling us is healthy for us, um, you know, what our current state of mind is and our relationship with food. And so Ayurveda, that's why I've called the book Eat Like You Love Yourself, because if you ask yourself that question, um, you know, am I eating like a, I love myself? Just that one simple question, perhaps every time you're going to pick up the fork, um, if the answer is anything but a hearty, a wholehearted yes, then we've got work to do. Yeah, I love that. And I honestly, Shara, I seriously mm -hmm. can't believe that title for a book wasn't taken. I was like, I know. I'm so jealous you thought of it first. I know. And I've got the, and I have the URL as well. I couldn't believe what? it. When I, got the, when I looked up the, don when I looked up the domain name, eat like you love yourself and it wasn't taken. I was like, okay, yeah. this is like, this is like manna from heaven. I'm meant to be I writing know. this. I yeah. know. I just couldn't believe it. And you know, I put a Facebook post up a few days ago, you know, when you gave mm -hmm. me a copy of the book and I popped a photo mm -hmm. up on Facey and I had a few people say, best book title ever. Best. Uh, ever. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Lots of people responded that way. Yeah. Um, and I was really glad that it was available, that the domain name was available. I would have called the book that any, anyway, but um, there weren't, yeah, there weren't any other books out there yeah. with that title. And, um, and I'm really excited because it speaks to people. It speaks to me, you know, it's, it's kind of an invitation, but it's also, um, you know, it's also about bringing you into the present and reminding you about your relationship with the food that you eat in just a few simple words. So I, for me, that's part of the reason why it's so powerful, you know, because it's really, yeah, it reminds us of like, what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. And I think it was Dr. Libby, uh, I, might, I might get this horribly wrong, but I think it was uh, Dr. Libby that said something along the lines of when you're about to eat a food to just ask yourself that simple question, does this nourish me? And when yeah. I read your book title, it really reminded me of that, that yeah. When you're about to eat something, it's like, you know, is this coming from a place of self-love or is it coming from a place of self-loathing? Is it the right thing for me? Is it, or like you said, are you just doing it because someone on Instagram said that that's how they lost weight? And yeah, yeah it, there's, there's so much in that one little title that you could just go down so many rabbit holes about. Yeah. Um, but it's I want to yeah, I want to know about your own self-love and, and self-care journey, even though I hate the word journey. Um, <laughs> tell me a bit about the different kind of stages you've been through with food and, and self-care. 
Oh man. Well, I think like I touch on, I take my, I take us all the way back to being um, a 12 year old in a, you know, a very um, turbulent home where my parents were breaking up. And for me, like so many people, food was like a refuge. Like I would come home from school and <laughs> get the cereal bowl out yes. <laughs> and, and just, you know, go to town basically. And um, I really loved food. I think, I think food for me was a bit of therapy at that age. You know, when I look back now at hindsight, I can, I can see some of these things. It was sort of, you know, it's interesting because when I think about it, it felt like a way of loving myself or finding the love that I didn't, you know, that I felt my parents weren't necessarily, um, you know, disposed to sort of giving at, the, at that time because they were really tied up in their own, their own personal struggles. And, um, and, you know, I mean, like a many, you know, children of the, of the eighties, um, you know, <laughs> my teenage years were, you know, a blur of fast food and, you know, and disgusting high school cafeteria food huh. and all sorts of stuff into college and um, kind of realizing it. And I, and I you know, I, I, my, I never really struggled with weight, but that was just because I didn't pay any attention. I think I've always, I had always really had body image issues. So I was never, um, you know, I've never been the kind of person who, um, you know, has felt 100% in love with my body. And I think those, those sorts of thoughts and that sort of way of being really reflects the choices that you make. And so I think that's always been the case for me. Um, and so getting into college, I think, you know, if, when you <laughs> the university that I went to, like you buy a food pass in the dorms and you can just eat whatever you want as much oh as you God. want. Oh my God. I mean, oh, that's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. It, totally dangerous. And, and so they had, I don't actually know if I did the freshman 15, they call it the freshman 15 in the States, which is, which basically means like in your freshman year, your first year at university, um, you gain 15 pounds cause you're just like, Oh my God, I can't stop eating all this, food. <laughs> all this food and there's food everywhere. So I do remember, you know, again, sort of, um, continuing that high school and pre-high school, um, mindset around food choices, you know, corn dogs and French fries and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that was during, that was, that was definitely during the time when, um, our, as a, as a culture, as a Western culture, we did start looking more towards diet and we did start looking more towards exercise and all those sorts of things. And I think I remember maybe towards the, towards the end of my college years, I kind of like, I kind of like switched. I remember taking a year off from eating French fries, which chips, I guess they call them, which, you know, doesn't sound, <laughs> doesn't sound like a big deal. Well, it is if it's like 20% of your diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For me, it was huge. It was like, oh my God, and lost all this weight and, you know, started to feel better and go to the gym and, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and I think that was kind of the beginning of me just, you know, thinking, yeah, I don't really need all that stuff. I didn't think I, you know, I never really thought much about it, but I'm pretty, I'm fine without it. And then, you know, traveling and 
working and all the rest of it. I think by the time I was just before I turned 30, I was, um, I was probably, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was the healthiest I was, you know, I'd ever eaten, but I had kind of, kind of figured out for myself what, you know, what eating was about for me. Um, and we were living in the UK at the time. I wasn't, you know, it was, you know, I was going out and doing that sort of stuff and indulging here and there, but nothing huge. And then I think it's just kind of evolved from there. Um, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what were you like before you discovered Ayurveda? And um, for me, you know, having not really had this sort of this battle with weight, I realized that Ayurveda for me has been more about awareness. It's been more about giving me the power of understanding my own relationship with food and understanding how that plays in um, my choices, the choices that I make when I'm happy or sad or what time of year or, you know, how I'm feeling, if I'm feeling anxious or loved or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, And also, I think it's also given me an incredible understanding of the impact that uh, the impact of what we eat on our mind, our mindset, because I think I was far more of a anxious mess before I discovered Ayurveda than I am today. <laughs> so yeah, that's the long story. So it's almost like it's helped your mind more than your body. Well, yeah, well, yes, yes and no. Like it's helped my body through my mind, through my body, through my mind. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, it started. It's it's more of a. It had come more from a um, a mind push than a body push. Yeah. I'm interested, you know, when you were talking about your college years, uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested because you've got a couple of really awesome teenagers, twins, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and it won't be long before they go off to uni. Like it's only how long until they're, they're out of high school? What, three? Uh, they've more? got about three more years. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if, if anyone's interested, there's some beautiful photos of your family in this book too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I did my research. <laughs> no, but talk talk to me about how you apply Ayurveda to your kids and also when they do fly the coop in a few years' time mm-hmm. and they're the ones who go off to college or, you know, university as it, it probably will be here in Australia, yeah. uh, how much have you kind of steered them down this path already or are they just going to be, you know, are they into Ayurveda? Tell me. <laughs> Yes. Well, yes and no. Like, I think it's become a part of who they are. Perfect example. Um, my daughter is home from school. She was home from school today and she had a day home from school last week. And, um, and I, I think I got up and she had made, she, so she's sick. She's got a cold. I got up and she had made herself a smoothie, like this cold smoothie. And I just, I looked at her and she's like, I know. And so the Ayurvedic (laughs) Ayurvedic view is that, um, is that if you're feeling cold or heavy or congested, you're going to want to choose foods that are going to, that have the opposite quality. So if you've got a cold, you don't really want to sit around eating smoothies and she knows these things, but obviously she chose the smoothie anyway. Um, but for me, the beauty is in that she knows these things because we're always going to, you know, know what we know and then just do what we do. But for me, I believe that the awareness is really, um, is really, you know, the key always. 
And even if we know that we're making choices that aren't great, um, because I think eventually the more we can love ourselves, that awareness kind of combines with the love and we make good choices. So for my kids, they've been around this stuff for most of their lives. Uh, they know, um, you know, they have, they know their doshas, they know a lot of the, um, you know, the concepts around how we do things and why we make, you know, certain foods during certain parts of the year. They love kitchery. Yeah. <laughs> they love kitchery. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I have to believe that, um, you know, when they fly the coop and go off on their own, just like anything you teach your kids, um, it's in there. It'll come out when it's needed. And, um, and you know, hopefully it will quietly or, or not so quietly guide the choices that they make in their lives for everything, you know, from food to, um, you know, to careers to, you know, where they want to live or even how they dress on any given day. Yeah. And the good thing is, mate, that kachuri is like really cheap to make when you're a student. Yeah. That's right. I'll have to remind them of that. I probably won't even have to remind them. But yeah, and it's almost is like a gourmet kitchen or excuse me, a gourmet student meal, isn't it? It's not like ramen noodles or anything. Oh my God. It's better than what we were making when I was like oh, yeah. 18, 19. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> it's got yeah. vegetables and everything. That's it. That's it. You've prepared them for the outside world with one dish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. (laughs) All right. Now you were mentioning smoothies and that's a perfect segue because I really wanted to pick your brain about this. I know we mentioned this in conversation in in passing the other day. I opened up your book and I saw a green smoothie in the book and I was like, Shara, why is there a green smoothie in the book? (laughs) I thought green smoothies were like, the worst thing ever in Ayurveda. Uh, please discuss. Oh, okay. You, this is such a, you've given me the perfect opportunity to talk about what I believe is the best thing about Ayurveda. And that is nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. What's important for us to understand is um, who we are, how we're feeling, what degree of imbalance we're experiencing, Um, you know, how we're thinking, how we're digesting, how we're eliminating, and then make our choices for foods accordingly. The issue with the smoothies is that um, typically, you know, your smoothies are cold, they're full of kind of sweet vegetables and sweet um, fruit, and they're, you know, maybe you've even got a bit of dairy in there. All of those uh, ingredients are if we're going to really simplify it down to the qualities in Ayurveda and in Ayurveda, everything is related to the qualities of things. And by qualities, I mean characteristics. So all of those things have characteristics that are cold, that are heavy and that are wet. And so what typically, or what can happen when you're eating a lot of cold, heavy and wet stuff is that you get cold heavy and wet and wet. So what what do I mean by that? Wet, you get congested. Um, you, you know, you might even have things like edema, not necessarily, but, um, you know, typically there's congestion associated with kind of eating a lot of dairy and, you know, and this cold stuff, um, heavy, there can be weight gain, even though the wellness industry has sort of portrayed, um, green smoothies as the end all be all. And, I think that really comes out of the drive to um, to concentrate nutrients in a convenient package for for you know quick delivery. 
Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily equal healthy for everyone. And so it's really important for us to question some of these things relative to what we know about ourselves and circumstances that we find ourselves in. So smoothies are not the devil necessarily, but it's important for us to, to, you know, to make our smoothies with our eyes open. And if we're experiencing digestive issues or our eliminations really slow, we probably don't want a cold smoothie because it may slow some, slow things down a little bit or clog things up a little in my book, um, I've got a, as you know, I've got a warm smoothie recipe. Yeah. <laughs> warm smoothie recipe in part because I kind of wanted to introduce the idea to people and have them understand that, you know, smoothies, smoothies can be lots of things. You know, they can be lots of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and I think there's so many people, you're right about the, you know, smoothies being popular because they're, concentrating all the nutrients into this one glass and it's like here's all the things you need it's so concentrated you don't need to have anything else all morning and it's fast it takes two minutes so it really appeals to our need to get things done fast kind of you know part of life at the moment and the way that we are we want everything quickly and we want maximum everything oh it's got more nutrients it must be better yeah (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, it, and you know, and I, I get that we're, our lives are really busy, uh, but we do have to ask ourselves, like, you know, are, are we benefiting from that? Are we benefiting from, from buying into that and from playing into that? Because really, you know, I think that's, I think that's why people believe that they are doing what they do at the speed that they do and at the you know, the level of capacity that they, that they are doing it. Um, and, and then it takes things like burnout. And as you know, very well, you know, um, since a lot of the people that you work with, you know, burnout, adrenal fatigue, all those sorts of things, just to kind of wake us up to, um, you know, to what we're doing and to why we're doing it. Yep. And then those who push themselves to that point end up having to slow down in order to speed up again. There is really no other way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, talk to me about some of the other recipes in your book. It's almost dinner time right now, so I'm, you know, I'm going to get hungry <laughs> from this. What's your favorite? Oh, the- man, let me see. Um, what are some of my favorites? It's interesting because I kind of like I kind of like warm soupy stuff. So I've got um, I've got some recipe. I, got, I have one recipe in there that's a rice soup that has watercress in it. And it is so freaking good. You would not believe. I remember making that and going, I wonder how this is going to turn out. And all of us were just like, because of course my family would, you know, they're involved in all the tasting and everything like that. <laughs> and they're they honest. All, I'll let you know. All over it. And you know, oh yeah. <laughs> and you know how, like there's times when you're just feeling like something that's like warm and like nourishing and just comforting and, you know, and that soup just totally fits the bill. There's there's a number of soups in there actually. They're quite good. My the t- smoky tomato soup is really good too, and it could not be easier. That's really yum. Um, obviously, there's a kitchery recipe in there. One thing that's you know that's um, important to to point out is um, this book is not a vegetarian cookbook. Uh, there's you know. There aren't a ton of meat recipes in it, but there are definitely meat recipes. It's divided out by season, and there's meat recipes for every season. And that is in part because 
although, you know, Ayurveda recommends that we, you know, don't go crazy on the meat. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, it recognizes that meat serves a purpose for many people. And, um, you know, it, it's important for us to, to have some healthy choices for how we, how we eat it and how we enjoy it. And the enjoyment is an incredibly important part as well. And so there's some great meat recipes. I think I did a lamb tagine, which was so good. Like the family inhaled it. I've it was got so that yum. page open right now. Oh, it's so good. You put that sucker in the oven for like hours and it just falls apart. It's just so good. Um, and of course, typically when we do meat in Ayurveda in order to, because the qualities of meat are hot and heavy and wet, moisturizing, um, but that heaviness can actually weigh on our digestion and make it a little bit difficult for us to digest that sort of stuff. So typically when we do meats in Ayurvedic cooking, we want to make sure to add some spices in there that are going to kind of give your digestion a bit of a boost to, to help you get through, you know, that meat happily and yeah. healthily. Yeah. So yeah, there's recipes for sweets and yeah, all kinds of great stuff. I know, it's so good. And the pictures are so pretty. <laughs> Thank <All> you. Right. <laughs> now, there's a couple of quotes in the book that really mm-hmm. stood out at me. So I, I'd love to like get you to elaborate on these a little bit as well. Sure. Uh, the first one is where you say the quality of your mind determines the quality of your health and happiness. Talk to me about the different states of mind and how this uh, creates health or ill health. Um. Yeah, this one actually comes straight out of the, you know, the Ayurvedic playbook. The Ayurvedic view is that all health and wellness begins in the mind. In fact, the Ayurvedic words are more like all disease begins in the mind. And what that means is that um, our, we, use our, we use our minds to kind of determine um, what choices we're going to make for things right? What, cho- what choices we'll make for um, the foods that we'll eat or what choices we'll make for the, you know, the exercises or the self-care or how we, um, how we think about ourselves. All of these things drive, you know, what we eat, how we move, um, how we think, how we engage and connect. All of these things drive our level of health and wellness. And so Ayurveda sort of believes that, um, you know, getting right in the mind is really, really important. In the book, I, I kind of outline um, the Ayurvedic view of the kind of different states of mind. And these are, this is, these are kind of more yogic concepts. This idea of sattva being a sattvic mind, being a clear and peaceful mind, and a rajasic mind being a very you know, busy and kind of crazy mind. Um, you know, thinking, doing, you know, basically the kind of mind that most people kind of live in from day to day where you're, there's many, many things you're kind of working through. And then tamasic, which is this, this kind of dullness that kind of happens. And yoga and Ayurveda um, are both kind of concerned with helping us stay as pure and, you know, and clear uh, in mind as possible. And so there's different foods that you can actually choose to help, um, to help with that. And so I think, yeah, one of the, one of the links, I think in the book, like there's a list of foods that are sattvic foods and rajasic foods and can give, can give you a sense for how the foods that you choose can actually help you to, um, to, you know, create the state of mind that you're looking for. And, and the state of mind can also help you to choose foods that are going to be more healthy for you at any so, time. 
So if we're kind of feeling a bit off with the fairies or a bit anxious or a bit revved up or, Mm. you know, the mind's racing too much, there's foods for that. Yeah, definitely. You know, so if you're feeling, if you're feeling, you know, off with the fairies, disconnected, we've all had that feeling, um, you know, just kind of out of it. Uh, overwhelmed is actually the, like the one word that I can kind of use to describe that. Yeah. We want foods that are going to ground us, right? We want foods that are going to, um, kind of give us, give the mind and body a sense that everything's okay. And there are foods that do that. And in fact, we probably all know them. And in Ayurveda, they're they're typically things that are salty, things that are salty, sweet, and sour. Um, And so, um, you know, that's, that can be lots of different things. But um, the important thing is that we choose wisely, and that we not only choose foods wisely, but that we also um, choose quantities wisely because what typically happens when we need comfort and we're looking for comfort is that we don't, you know, if a little comfort's good, a lot is better. No, um, it's smothering. <laughs> exactly. And that, and we all know from experience that um, that doesn't always work out so well. No. And so one of the other Ayurvedic mantras is um, moderation in all things, in all things, good things, bad things, moderation in all. And so that's a really important concept too. Do you think uh, in this day and age and and the way that we're living at the moment, do you think that we may have lost that flip switch of like knowing when it isn't moderation anymore? Do you think we know where to stop? I think we do know where to stop. Um, I just think that, we all live in all of us, myself included, even though I'm the Ayurvedic, even though I know better, we all know better, but um, we, we, our lives are a series of patterns that we just run day in and day out. And, uh, and we stay in our patterns. And so, you know, Ayurveda and is, is really about trying to disrupt the pattern because the minute we can disrupt the pattern, we, um, we can all of a sudden choose, right? Like we're not just running, you know, the same pattern that we've run forever about, you know, what we eat or how much we eat. The minute we can say, holy crap, I'm in the middle of my pattern that says eat until you're so stuffed you have to lay down on the floor. You all of a sudden have a choice the minute you recognize you're running the pattern. And so I think we do all know, but we're just in these patterns that um, are, it, you know, in a lot of ways it it can feel easier to to live life in patterns because there's just so many things that we have to deal with at any given time that, um, you know, having, having patterns and systems and things to make things kind of autopilot and convenient really feels like that. Um, But the reality is that it isn't. Yeah. I guess patterns are familiar and therefore kind of perceived by the brain as being safe, secure. Yeah. Like it's hard to go against that at first. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I say like our, you know, our most powerful tool for anything for health and wellness is awareness. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not Weight Watchers or, you know, whatever. It's not even cookbooks. It's, um, it's awareness. Yeah. Not counting calories, not counting points. Nope. Nothing. Yep. Love it. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) There's also a quote in your book uh, that's, that, that just jumped off the page at me from Kristen Dalton and it said, 
be aware of the season you're in and give yourself the grace to be there. Uh, she's not talking about the weather, yeah? <laughs> you, you, well, yes and no. And that's why I love that quote so much because Ayurveda teaches us that we're just a part of the natural world around us. We really are. Like we like to think that we're not. We like to think that we're like in this cinema watching, you know, the leaves turn and watching, you know, the, the, you know, the, the weather change or the sun come out of the rain. But really we are, a, we're actually a part of all of that stuff, um, which, glo- which global warming is sort of, is sort of teaching us that we'll listen, but um, we're all, we're a part of that. And so everything that we see going on outside of us is going on inside of us as well. And so if we tune in to that, if we tune into that and let that guide our choices, it gives us this opportunity to find balance in every season. Like whenever I talk to people about this idea of like living in accordance with the seasons and I just ask a simple question, like, are you, do you feel the same in the winter? Do you feel you're the same person in the winter as you are in the summer? Most people, if they think about it, really, they think, actually, no, I'm not. I, I, you know, I feel different in my body. My body looks different in the winter. Um, the sorts of things that I think about in the winter might be different in the th- sorts of things that I do. And yet we're not necessarily conscious of that. And so we'll eat the same diet throughout the year, even though at certain times of the year, it's better to, you know, let go of certain things and choose other things. And so that, um, that quote to me is really about, it's about that. It's about the outside seasons, but it's also about acknowledging the internal seasons as well. Because, you know, we've all had those, those summer days when we wake up and we are freaking winter inside, <laughs> you know, and, we, <laughs> and we've all had those winter days where we've like, I've got to find some summer inside this because I'm not going to make it through. And so, you know, we also have our internal um, weather and our internal experiences, regardless of what's going on outside. And those things, you know, that can truly drive um, a lot of things. That can drive our physical experience. That can drive our interactions. And that can definitely drive our choices. And so to me, that quote is really just about acknowledging the weather outside and in and making our choices in accordance with that, as opposed to trying to deny or push away or wish something was different or all that sort of stuff. And I find that incredibly powerful. I really do. Yeah. I had a client uh, who was going through a bit of a rough divorce, like she was right Mm -hmm. in the thick of it. And we were in a, we were having a consultation about her health, but of course, like what she's going through in life always ties in. So we were chatting about the, you know, the relationship stuff. And I remember her saying to me, but I understand that this is just a season. And I thought, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a really good way to look at a lot of things in life. And then she knew that she had to stop doing a lot of things and slow down and hunker down and spend more time at home and spend more time just sitting, journaling, sleeping, all of that. But she also knew it wasn't forever. Yeah. It will come and it will go and it will leave its impression and, you know, fighting it won't necessarily change that. It'll just change your experience of it. Yeah. Last time anyone tried to change winter into summer, yeah, it doesn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's some winter days where i just wake up and i've got to try to find you know the summer inside 
And I think part of that really is the just coming into some amount of acceptance because I think what I do is I mourn the summer through the winter. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not 25 degrees outside today. Well, no, it's not, you know, and it's not going to be. And so some of that finding that summer inside is really diving into who can I be, you know, who can I be today? Like, what is the strongest and, um, you know, and most balanced expression of me in this experience, in this season? rather than, you know, experiencing resentment and sadness over the fact that, you know, it's not, you know, super sunny outside and I'm not going to the beach. Well, you can go to the beach anyway here, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be going for, you know, a swim or something. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, that, that quote's got a lot in it. <laughs> yeah, it's got layers, hasn't it? Layers. It does, and I love that about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It really, it sums up so much, I think. Yeah. About the way that you live too as a person. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. All right, my beautiful lady. Uh, We better let people know where they can find this book of yours. So where can people actually go online and check it out and maybe grab a copy? At the moment, I am selling this book, the print copies, on my website, which is um, www.blissbodyandsoul.com. And I am actually, I am actually planning on getting out an electronic copy of this book for Kindles and all your, you know, all your iBooks and all that sort of stuff before Christmas. Um, so yeah, but everything, all the information is on my website and um, yeah, you can follow it. You can follow it there. Have a look at it. Look at the information and, and all that sort of stuff. See some of the pictures and, and all that. The print copy is so beautiful, though. Seriously. Thank you. Don't, don't wait for the Kindle, people. Don't. don't yeah. Thanks. I am, I'm really proud of it, actually. Yeah. It's just the photos are gorgeous. The whole thing's amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm your friend. It really Thanks. is something that, that looks beautiful sitting in my kitchen. Um, awesome. And it makes me want to open it and make things in it, which is always a good sign. Yes. Very good sign. Um, and if people want to follow you on social media, where are you at? I'm on Facebook at Bliss Body and Soul. I'm on Instagram at Bliss. Uh, I think it's at Bliss Body and Soul on Instagram, and that's it. I've kind of I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it. Um, yeah, me either. So yeah, so you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on I, you can find me under my own name too, Shara Carruthers on Facebook too, and there's links to my my business pages and all that sort of stuff too. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. the only thing I use uh, Twitter for now is uh, following the Eurovision thread once a year. That's it. All That's right. It. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's when Twitter like, comes into its own. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's almost Twitter time this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once a year. <laughs> or maybe the oh, Twitter France. Funny. Maybe. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, the, the rest of the time Twitter is, Twitter is dead to me. It's dead to me. Yes, it's, de- it's definitely dead to me. I can't do too much of that stuff. No, no. <laughs> All right, awesome lady. I'll let you go and, and it's dinner time, so I'll let you go and, and get on with family life. But thank you awesome. so, so much for making the time to chat. And um, as usual, it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jules. I always love having a good chat with you. So this has been brilliant. And, um, and thanks a lot for, for um, all that you do and all that you share with, with everyone. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Straight Talking Natural Health. If you liked what you heard, hit subscribe. 
That way you'll never miss an instalment. If you're a fan, please take a moment to leave me a review on iTunes. It helps other listeners to find this podcast too. Also, check out my website at julesgalloway.com. You'll find all the podcast episodes there along with loads of blog posts and resources to help you on the path back to finding your happy, energised self again. There's also a free quiz to help you assess your risk of burnout and adrenal dysfunction. So if you've been burning the candle at both ends or maybe you've been super busy or stressed recently, take the quiz now to see where your body is at. That's at julesgalloway.com. And let's connect. Follow my adventures on Facebook and Instagram at Jules Galloway Health and join our pumping Facebook group. Just search for Straight Talking Natural Health or follow the links in the show notes. Till next time, remember, look after your awesome self because it gives others permission to do the same. Bye for now. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.